We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince D'Addario. That guy over there, I can see him bend my wrist a little more, is Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. It's Tuesday, which means we are going to uh, push forward uh, with talking about Notre Dame's next opponent. And that is the Virginia Tech Hookies. Uh, as Notre Dame hits the road, to uh, to face a pretty darn good Virginia Tech team, I I, I almost purposely uh, don't look too far ahead. So, to, uh, you know, last night and today were the first chance I really got to kind of watch and 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 study Virginia Tech. Uh, this is not a pushover game by any stretch of the imagination. This is going to be a game that's going to test Notre Dame, especially coming off the way that they played on Saturday. Uh, but today we are going to talk the Notre Dame offense versus the Virginia Tech defense. And obviously they don't have their acclaimed Hall of Fame or, you know, defensive coordinator there anymore. But the hand pr- the, the fingerprint, uh, I would say, is still there, Brian. Uh, would you agree with me? I think Brian Kelly believes yeah, that anyway. This is that's one thing Coach Kelly was correct on. I think that um I, I think that he's in a situation where he, you know, I don't often listen to Brian Kelly in press conferences, but this is one he was correct on. It, it still has very much has some of the Bud Foster DNA. I don't, you and I were talking, it's not as aggressive as Bud Foster's defense, which was just like attack, attack, attack. But structurally, it's, you know, uh, ph- philosophically meaning speed, attack, you know, attacking with speed, don't care about being big. Right. Don't care, you know, we care about speed, speed, speed. That philosophy, four, two, five, playing a lot of cover four robber, uh, starting off with too high and then rolling a lot of a lot of robbing with your safeties and, and changing the eye the eye discipline of the quarterbacks. Those are all things that to me are um, staples of what Bud Foster did. Sure, absolutely. That are still there with Justin Hamilton running the defense, but. There, it's also his DNA. He is more, I would say, a little bit more sound than Coach Foster was, you know, but they're still vulnerable to the big play, as we saw against West Virginia. But, uh, yeah, that that's I would say that's a very, very accurate statement. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, we're, we're not going to do our recruiting thing today. We're going to jump right into 
the run game. So the Notre Dame run offense, and I'm really trying hard not to like keep. I'm trying to keep a straight face here when I talk about Notre Dame's run offense uh, versus Virginia Tech's run defense. Um, I was very impressed with Virginia Tech's run defense. L- 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 wait, let me let me rephrase that. I was very impressed with their front. Um, their 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 front four can get after it, and it trickles down to the rest of the defense. It's very similar to what when I when we talk about Notre Dame and what their front is able to do, and how it trickles down to the linebackers in the secondary and how they're able to do their thing. Um, you know, based on what the front is up to, it's very much what Virginia Tech is like. They, their front is the key to what they want to do defensively and from what i saw uh the key is flowing like it it, (laughs) their defense is good because the front is so good yeah uh, that's where it starts for me and and look they got a they got they're not the biggest d line i'm I'm pulling up the depth chart right now that's at irishbreakdown.com you know they they've got decent decent size up the middle you know they got jordan williams who's the 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 clemson transfer that notre dame is going to be very familiar with they recruited him Mm -hmm. out of high school uh, he obviously played a lot at Clemson. He's a grad transfer. You know, he's a kid that's 6'5", 285. He rotates a lot with Norrell Pollard, who's a really good football player, was good for them last year. It's a really nice combination up the middle. That's number three, Vince. He's 6'281". Mm-hmm. Uh, they're starting D-tackle, Mario Kendricks. That's number 22. We were talking about him before the, sh- the yeah. show. He's 6'290". He's a little bowling ball. He comes uh, they off do the bring, hard, yeah, though, man. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Uh, they bring a kid, Josh Fuga, off the bench, who's the biggest guy they have. He's a redshirt freshman that's 6'2", 308. Not huge. Their ends are 6'1", 252, and 6'6", 245. That's Amari Barno. We're going to talk about him a lot more in the pass game section. But it's a really quick – I mean, with the exception of of Jordan Pollard and, and Amari Barno, the rest of their D-line is 5'11", 6'2", 6'0", 6'1", right? It's, it's – I mean, in some ways, they remind me a lot of Notre Dame's D-line sure. from just like there's not a lot of big guys. There's like that one big guy, but just a lot of quick athletic guys. It's not as talented as Notre Dame's defensive line, but you don't have to be to have success against the Notre Dame offensive <laughs> line. No. Uh, but it's a re- it's going to no. be one of the, the more athletic, uh, aggressive D-lines that Notre Dame will have faced this season, which is a – you know, a lot different than maybe what they faced against Wisconsin and that kind of thing. This it's is going to be more like a bull rush speed. type. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. just going to be speed and quickness and getting into gaps and knocking you back, winning the leverage battle. You know, they, they, they take advantage of their lack of size where the positions where they have a lack of size, they play with really good leverage, get up underneath pads. Uh, it, it's a good group. And it's been the, really, it's been the, the, the backbone of this defense so far, which look, as, as you're going to see this, this number right here, rush defense not their best part but as you get into the this passing defense and the overall defense this is this is the best defense left on the schedule and one of the three or four best they're going to face all year sure sure notre dame football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find irish tickets anymore that's because tick pick that's t-i-c-k-p-i-c-k is the original no fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all Notre Dame tickets. TickPick got rid of all of those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all Notre Dame tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. The Irish are Back on the road again this Saturday night as they travel to Blacksburg, Virginia to take on the Virginia Tech Hokies. 
Can they rebound after last week's showing? Find out in person by scooping up your tickets at TickPick.com. Just visit TickPick.com slash Irish today and use the promo code Irish to save $10 on your first order of Notre Dame tickets. Again, that's TickPick.com slash Irish and use the promo code Irish to save $10 on your first order of Notre Dame tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And that's that's dangerous for this offense uh, because I, you know, don't have a whole lot of faith in what's happening up front, obviously, with Notre Dame. And they are going to, you know, look, <clears throat> they're not going to bring all kinds of exotic blitzes and, and things like that at this Notre Dame run defense or run offense. They're just going to be fundamentally sound in what they do. And they're going to be athletic and they're going to be quick off the ball. And mm-hmm. look, if I'm going to beat Notre Dame's front, uh, you know, offensive front, <clears throat> being quick off the ball, that alone will get you uh, a good chunk of the way there. Uh, right. and, and so that's what really worries me is they they are so fast off the snap. Yeah. And that that's what jumped out at me as I was watching the film uh, originally was they're so fast off the ball yeah. and they get into you so fast. And when th- the problem across the board for Notre Dame is they they jump up, they, they go get, and they, they get, get high. Oh. And, yeah. and if, if somebody's quick off the ball and they can get into your chest – as you jump up, you're done. You have no leverage mm-hmm. anymore, and they're going to be able to reset the line of scrimmage down into the backfield, and you can kiss the run game goodbye. So mm-hmm. that's what worries me the most about this particular matchup. Well, and, I mean, any part of the offense, Notre Dame's offense versus their defense matchup, but specifically in the run game because if you're getting pushed back into the backfield, it screws up everything that you want to yeah. do in the run game. Well, and, and their, their overall numbers are at- – tad misleading in my opinion because when you look at West Virginia for example West Virginia rushed for 180 yards 5.5 yards per carry well in the first drive of the game it might have been the first first or second play of the game they went for 80 yard touchdown Mm. well the next 32 carries they went for 3.1 yards per attempt you you, you know I mean the, the thing that frustrates me Vince about this matchup if we're being honest is the fact that this shouldn't be a matchup that we're so concerned about the Virginia Tech has a you know, Virginia Tech has a nice, a, a nice defense. Like it's it's a good defense, and it's a it's a good defensive line. But it's the kind of defensive line that a a typical Notre Dame offensive line would be able to find some success against. Right. You know, from the standpoint of they would do to them what they did in two thousand and eighteen, which is Virginia Tech's athleticism, their penetration, their aggressive penetration, their aggressive style. It's going to result in some negatives. It's going to result in some mistakes. Sure. 
but it's also going to result in you pushing them off the ball and, and, and ripping off some big plays. Remember, obviously Notre Dame had the 97-yard touchdown run against Virginia Tech, but they put that game away in the fourth quarter with another long touchdown run from Dexter Williams, you know, where Notre Dame just started leaning on him and leaning on yeah. him and leaning on him. And a game that was competitive for a while turned into a route because right. Notre Dame just put him away with their run game. So to me, that's this this is a, a matchup that right now I do not like for Notre Dame, but that's just because I'm going to say that about every team that they play right yeah. now until they prove that they can run the ball. This is a good quality rush defense. It's not an elite rush defense. You know, gave up 146 to North Carolina. That was a good performance. They just gave up 160 to Richmond. I'm shocked if Notre Dame can equal what Richmond did against them uh, right now, based on what we've seen. Now, let, let's kind of let's take a different angle on that, Vince. And, and the, the way that I look at it is this: if you look at if you look at it from the flip side argument, you know, we've talked about this. There's going to be a game where Notre Dame is going to put it all together, right? It, it, it's it's going to happen. There's going to be a game where they put it all together. I'm glad you're it, confident. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, it's going to happen, right? Like even even teams that aren't good have that yeah. game where it, it all clicks. There's going to come a game this season where it's it's just going to all click for them. If it's this game, then I do think Notre Dame can run the ball effectively enough to force the safeties to come down in the box and defend the run. That's my biggest fear. My biggest fear of this game from a match – and when I talk fear, I'm talking about from a football standpoint, Right. right. My biggest fear from a, from in this matchup is that they're able to control the run game with the box. The box for Virginia Tech being because they are a traditional four-two-five defense. Right. You know they have two inside linebackers uh, that are athletic, especially Alan Tisdale. They're two inside linebackers. To people that follow Notre Dame recruiting, you're gonna you're gonna know who they are. It's Dax Holyfield, and it's uh, Hollyfield, excuse me, and it's Alan Tisdale, who Notre Dame liked a lot as their rover as a rover recruit they couldn't couldn't get him into school he ends up going to virginia tech really good foot really athletic football player so you know i i think at times this year vince you and i were talking before the show they tend to they've struggled at times getting off blocks yeah they've absolutely. gotten better in recent games but at times they they look a lot like notre dame's defensive linebackers did last year at times where they just kind of run into blocks and they yes. don't get off right now my concern is is that that's against lines that are getting their backer their 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 guards up to the second level. Notre Dame hasn't been doing that. If they let those two kids run free and they can defend with their four two box, that allows them to keep their safeties outside to protect against the pass. Ideally, if Notre Dame can have some early success, and it doesn't have to be ripping off forty yard runs, but if Notre Dame can you know have a sixteen yard gain early, just get get some success in the ground game. Yeah enforce those those robber safeties to cut to be focused on the run game i think that's where notre dame can have some success in other parts of the game but they're going to have to come out and do that early they're going to have to be assignment correct and they're just going to have to play hard that's it that's all you need to do because like i said this isn't a huge defensive line for virginia tech but it is very quick excuse me it's very athletic mm -hmm. uh and, and they're 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 geared towards shutting down your run game like that's that's the number yes. one priority that you can tell with what they want to do with their defense is they want to stop you from running the football yeah and you know any other year as i'm watching the virginia tech defense do their thing any other year against notre dame i'm like okay notre dame's gonna have some success in the run game and it'll probably parlay to the pass game etc i just don't have that feeling this year uh, just based on everything that we've seen so far from Notre Dame. And that, that's what worries me the most is because I feel like they can have success running the football against Virginia Tech. They, 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 
you can use their aggressiveness against them yes and and be successful and you, if you can get to the next level you can block these linebackers right. because they they don't come off blocks very well at least from what i saw and so you know you can have success especially with the two guys that you're handing the ball off to so I see where you're coming from. I'm just not sure I have that faith that that's going to uh, Again, occur. I'm not saying that it's going to yeah. happen, right? Yeah, you you right. keep saying, like, you have, have the faith. I'm not saying I have that faith. I'm looking at this matchup, and I'm breaking down the film, and I'm saying if this is the game that it happens, right? Then they can have success. Then, then that's where they yeah. can have success. I'm not predicting yeah. that they're going to have success. Until gotcha. Notre Dame actually runs the ball on anyone. I mean, right. anyone. Because right now, the season best is what? 132 yards against Toledo? Yeah, exactly. 40, 43 of which came on one carry? No, Notre Dame hasn't run the ball on anybody so far this year. I'm not predicting right. anything. Having said that, I'm not just going to come out here and say, they suck, they're going to suck, they're going to suck for the rest of the year, quit watching our show. <laughs> no, right? we don't want that. Uh, the fact is, is that the things that Notre Dame is doing are correctable, and if they are able to correct them, this is a defense that you can run on. And that's the point. That's sure. what that's what I'm yeah. trying to bring to the conversation. No, now, they can run on this team. They, yes. And they have they have the ability to run on this team. They just have to show it. I mean, that's that's the bottom line is they need to show it. And and you're right. If they cannot get the run game going, they're not going to have a whole lot of success in this game offensively because you're playing right into Virginia Tech's hands. And they have a pretty successful, they have a pretty good secondary, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But you, you have to force them to bring somebody else in the box. That's the only way right. you're going to have success offensively. That's, and that team. is with any 4-2-5 team that does robbers, that plays robber coverage with their defense. The big danger that you have is that their safeties are, are, are having to insert into the box to defend the run. That's where the big plays come in the pass game. And, and that's, I mean, that was, we saw that at times with Clark Lee's defense, right? When the box was struggling at times to kind of handle the run and they'd have to start getting Kylo Hamilton a little bit more, you know, peeking into the backfield last year, Vince, we'd see that'd be the chances where they could take their one-on-one -on -one shots outside because sure. you don't have as much safety help. And that's why being able to run the ball with some level of success against a four-two-five is so important. And it's why it's important to not let, not get beat by the box. That's the big thing. And so when we talk about box, I'm referring to, you know, guys that are basically attached to the line of scrimmage, the way that Virginia Tech, it, the way that they play, their traditional 4-2-5 in their base alignment, which means four defensive linemen, two edge players. They do a lot of, it looks a lot, I mean, honestly, it looks a lot like what Clark Lee did from an alignment standpoint. You know, their, their weak side end is a stand-up guy, right? Right. Uh, you know, that's, that's Barno. They, they have three downs at that, you know, with him, they have two inside backers and their Rover is a guy that's out of the box a lot. Yeah. They occasionally will tuck inside and they'll bring that other safety down and kind of play like a four three, but in a lot of ways, structurally, it's very, it's there. He's from the same family of where Clark Lee and Mike Elko's defense comes from. Right. And so was Bud up Bud Foster. But this defense is even more so of a traditional four-two-five than Bud Foster's because Bud Foster threw a lot of hybrid looks at people. You know, I, I don't see Justin Hamilton coming out in an eagle front like like, uh, and we don't need to explain that. But that's a, a, a strange front where they kind of reduce. It's like you got somebody over the center and both guards. You have one guy over the center and a guy over both guards, and they did a lot of that against Notre Dame in 2018 early on, and. Gave Notre Dame some problems, but also was a reason that Notre Dame was able to rip off a couple big runs because you right. get through that first level and there's it's, nobody else there. Yeah, exactly. And that's what happened to them against Virginia Tech, you know, uh, or excuse me, West Virginia. Early on, it, it looked a lot like what Notre Dame did to them. So they started off in like a, 
like a two receivers to the left and a receiver to the right. And you had a tight end and a wing. And then the tight end motions out. So he goes from a wing position. He motions out, like out to make like a wide trips bunch. The Rover, the I think it was the Rover, goes out with him. Safety then bumps out and they just run inside zone right up the crease. Linebacker steps here. The kid makes a cut off the linebacker, right? And just like Hiram Williams did on the first play against Cincinnati. And then there was literally nobody else in the middle of the field. You know, so so can Notre Dame do that? Can they take advantage of that? That's why I think that what you and I talked about yesterday, Vince, is going to be super important is if Tommy Reese comes out and says, hey, we're going to go 12 personnel and we're going to try to force feed this and we're going to do that like he's been doing, they're not, they're not going to have success on offense. If he finally says, my best players are Michael Mayer and a bunch of receivers and running backs, that's it. Like if you looked at it, I would argue the way that they've been playing so far, and the talent level that we see of other guys, I would argue that you'd have to get to like eight, nine in, in skill players, at least before I'm going to talk about putting one of the other tight ends in that conversation after mayor. Would you disagree with that? I mean, I'm taking the three starting receivers. I'm putting Joe Wilkins. I'm putting both running backs. I'm putting Deion Colsey. I'm putting uh, Lorenzo styles. And I'd even consider having a conversation about whether or not we should put Logan Diggs in there in, in that conversation okay. based on what we know of him before I'd get to a second tight end. Based yeah, on what oh, absolutely. That, yeah, that's be, where I'm coming from. Because right so now, you gotta, the second tight end doesn't do anything for you in the pass right. game because they're not throwing it to him, and he, they're not doing anything in the run game because they're not very good at blocking. So, so, so think about how far down the list of players we'd have to go, you know, skill players we have to get to before you can justify having your second tight end on the field. Right. That's my point. So why are you putting a guy that's like maybe ninth or tenth best skill player on your offense at best on the field for more than five snaps a game that aren't short yardage or goal line. You know what I mean? So that that's where we're coming from. Think about that for a second. You've got Mayer in that top group. And I want to ask anybody, would you put the way they're playing right now, George Takas or, or Mitchell Evans in there over any of those skill players we just listed, you know, like, and, and if they're not going to block, as we said yesterday, then put Kane Barong in the game. Cause I know he can run routes and catch the football. Right. But anyway, the point being, they need to take advantage of, hey, what do you do best, right? Who are your best players? And how do you build your offense around them? If they do that in the run game, Vince, then I think they can have some success. If they, if they, if they, if they accent their RPO game a little bit more, right, build it just a little bit more. They've done it all. It just it, put it all in one game. Don't just do the one stupid look screen, the now screen the whole game off your RPO. That's not going to work. Right. Right. You can do that at times, but like, I remember the 2018 game I was talking with, um, Oh, can't tell you who I was talking with last night, but I was talking with somebody <laughs> last night. <laughs> we were talking about the Virginia tech game in 2018. And I was like, you remember that play where they had a, like a third and 10 against Virginia tech and they ran an RPO bubble screen and Ian read it perfectly threw it to Cole Komet. Cole Komet ran a bubble screen and converted a third and 10 off an RPO. Right? Like seriously. You're telling me Avery Davis can't do that? You're right. telling me Brayden Lynch, Cole Komet, a tight end. Now, again, he's a great tight end, but he's a tight end that caught a bubble screen. You know, so uh, that 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 to me is is get your skill players in the field, build your run game around that, spread them out, force their safeties to go out wide and see if you can get some 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 action going there. That's what I think they need to do. That's the only hope that I see them having in the run game. If they do that, and they're hitting the RPOs like they hit against the, the RPOs against Virginia Tech in 2018, then I think this football team has a chance to finally get going. Will they do it? I have no idea. And until they actually do it, I'm going to be skeptical. Sure. But we're Absolutely. telling you all that's the path forward 
for Notre Dame and a path where they can be pretty successful. That's that's my issue is they can be successful. They just have to come to grips with who they are. Mm -hmm. And and I know that that can be difficult when you have gone the whole offseason, you know, thinking, you know, who you are. And then you've played five games and you're like, okay, we're not that team. Yeah. And we need to change some things up. Look, there's a lot of ego that goes into being a coach, right? You don't want to be wrong, but there's also some humility that needs to take place at times too. Yeah. And and again, I'm not in the coaches' meetings and things like that, but they they need to come to grips with who they are, yes. and they need to embrace it. Yes. That, that, that's my biggest thing is they need to embrace it, man. Just flush the egos. It's okay. You're not who you thought you were, right. okay? You could still be pretty darn good. Right. And and if Mayer's and here's other, here's the other kind of rub on this, if Michael Mayer's banged up, and he can't play or he can't play a full allotment of snaps this weekend, then it really gets interesting. Oh, absolutely. And, and when it comes to, but that'll affect the pass but, game even more. But even in the run game, like, okay, do you start going twenty personnel, twenty personnel being two backs, three receivers, or do you just say, hey, we're still going to go eleven and twelve personnel. We're just not going to use Mayer as much. I mean that that that's my fear is like at this point in time I'm almost assuming the worst a lot. Yeah. With them. So um that that's that's kind of my question, Vince. But at the end of the day, I, I think this one is if if anyone's being honest with themselves, you have a Virginia Tech team that's been pretty salty against the run this year, you know, been been pretty at the very least solid against the run this year, held North Carolina to one forty six, shut down middle Tennessee State as they should, uh, gave up 160 against Richmond. On 36 carries, 4.4 yards per carry. Um, you know, Virginia, uh, you look at um, West Virginia went for a buck 80. 80 of that came on one play. They, they've been a solid run de- defense this year. You know, solid at times. Good at times, mm, giving up too many big plays at other times. But there, it's there's no way that anyone can justify to me that this should be anything other than advantage Virginia Tech. And this number yeah. down here is, is the is the thing that concerns me the most. This one right here. They're pretty good at, at creating tackles for loss. And their yeah. name is really bad at stopping teams from getting tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, absolutely. So I, I think you have to go adv- advantage Virginia Tech on this one, Vince. Do you have uh do you have a different way you'd go with it? <laughs> uh no. Uh, okay. I I don't I don't foresee myself, unless something drastic changes, I don't foresee myself giving the advantage to Notre Dame in the run game offensively for quite a few weeks. So, I don't know, uh, wins the Navy game? Right, exactly. That's that's the only time I can even foresee it. Um, and like, like I said, unless things change, maybe, maybe they do have the breakout game today and we're having a different discussion. Uh, I'll tell you when I will take it is uh, next week. Notre Dame will definitely win the run game against the bye. I don't know. I can see someone getting hurt walking into their <laughs> dorm or something. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's not. I mean, it, it, I, again, I didn't expect them to be a great rushing team this year. Sure, but it, I don't. I don't see how anyone could have expected what we've seen. It's it's a it's abysmal. Right. So Vince, let's dive into the pass game. Let's dive into the pass game matchup for Virginia Tech. This is the one that that. Um, you know, we've been kind of looking at recent weeks and saying, hey, this is the area where Notre Dame is going to be able to find some success. If they're going to win these games and have success, they're going to throw the football effectively. And they haven't really thrown the football effectively. And they're going against a Virginia Tech defense that that this is kind of what they've been pretty good at this year so far. Yeah, yeah, is, absolutely. Is, I mean, the only team that's thrown the ball effectively on them from a number standpoint is Middle Tennessee State. Middle Tennessee threw for 283 on them. 
because they couldn't run the ball so they were just chucking it all over the place yeah and uh north carolina went for 208 sam howe through through one touchdown three picks and and he he was he looked rushed because of the front you know what i mean like he was running for his life most of the time Mm -hmm. and actually turned it into a few nice little scrambles um but he was there was one time he threw a pick when he was being sacked you know the the he was being harassed by that front, and that's what worries me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what really if, – if Sam Howell, who I think we can all agree is probably better than anybody Notre Dame has on the roster, I, I'll, I'll just say it, um, if he is running for his life and is not able to connect on some stuff, that's what worries me about the pass game for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's a legitimate concern, and you know, Virginia Tech had six sacks that game. They've had like three mm-hmm. and two in the two games since they haven't, or the three games since they haven't had a similar performance. Partly because teams have been smart enough to get the ball out quickly. Exactly, and you that's know, what, that's what Notre Dame has to do. Right, they have to get rid of the football. West Virginia went fifteen to twenty-seven for one hundred ninety-three yards, two touchdowns, and a score. And one of their touchdowns was into double coverage. The guy made a great a great catch on a ball. Uh, and then Richmond went thirteen of twenty-three for seventy-seven yards. And so you know, you you look at this Virginia Tech team and and the the yards per attempt that they've allowed this season so far, uh, six point three, seven point one, seven point one, and three point three in every game. That's really good. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a really quality number if, if you look at it. And so this has been a good pass defense so far, Vince. You know, five interceptions in, 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 uh, in four games is a good number against a Notre Dame offense that's thrown, what, um, three interceptions the last two games or just two? Was it just the two in the last game? I can't remember if they threw one against Wisconsin now that I'm – I'm drawn. I've tried to block a couple these last couple games out of my mind. I don't think they did throw one against Wisconsin. They have five on the season, right? And so they threw two. Yeah. So the, they had one against Florida State. They've thrown four. One against Florida State. One against Toledo, and then two against Cincinnati. There you go. You know. So and then you look at Notre Dame's yards per attempt. The first two games they were elite, ten point five and eight point eight. And the three games since they've been seven point oh, six point five, and five point six. Going the wrong direction. Virginia Tech is a team that forces a lot of inefficiency in the pass game. Notre Dame's offense is a team that's had a lot of inefficiency in the pass game. Notre Dame's completion percentage the last three games, forty six point nine, fifty six point eight, fifty point zero. The guy that uh, most people think is going to be the savior of the offense went nine of twenty-two, throwing right. the football against Cincinnati's defense last week. And I'll and I'll make this comparison statement. I think that Cincinnati probably has a slightly better front. I would argue that outs other than Ahmed Gardner, who's better than any corner name's going to face by far. But as a whole unit, I would argue that Cincinnati that 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 Virginia Tech to me is as good, if not better, than Virginia Tech in the secondary. Other than Ahmed Gardner. Like, if you take him out of the equation, he's better than Jermaine Waller, right? Okay. But you look at the safeties, the nickel, and the other corner in the pass game, where I think the Cincinnati kids are really good is in the run game. But in the pass game, I would say that this, the Virginia Tech kids are better, in my opinion. Uh, so, and Notre Dame had a hard time beating him. Now, the good news is there's no Ahmed Gardner. Jermaine Waller's a really good football player. He's not Ahmed Gardner. So I think the only guy that they're going to face all year that remotely resembles Ahmed Gardner is a kid that they're playing in practice every day, and that's Cam yeah. Hart. Yeah, um, exactly. You yep. Know. yep. So, so at least you don't have that. But this is a good. This is a really good salty pass defense, Vince. That's been good well, each, in my opinion, just about you know. It, yeah. 
especially against the Power Five teams, you know. But they were good against West Virginia. They were good against North Carolina. Yeah. Well, and like I said, a lot of those hurries and things, yes, it had to do with the front of uh, Virginia Tech, no question. Um, but it also had to do with the fact that I think a lot of it were coverage situations. There was nowhere, there was nowhere for Howell to go with the football, um, mm-hmm. and and that's that's part of the problem. So, you know, I. I I don't like, you know, I don't want Drew Pine, if he's the starter, to just sit back there and try to pick apart this defense because I don't think that that is going to end the way that they would like it to end. Um, I think that they need to be, they need to take advantage of his quick quick release and they just need to be getting the ball out, you know, whether it's look screens, tunnel screens, whether it's, you know, quick slants, RPOs, you know, you name it. And then you can stretch the field a little bit. I'm not saying don't do it at all. Um, but I'm talking like one, two read type stuff, you know, something that's quick so that he's not a sitting duck back there. Yes. He's more mobile than Jack Cohn. Sure. But this front is very athletic and I don't want to get into a battle of, I hope Drew can outrun everybody, uh, because that's not going to end well for Notre Dame either. So I really hope that the offensive game plan is, Hey, let's take advantage of Drew's quick release let's get it out let's get it into the hands of the of, of the playmakers and let's see what happens because i think that they can make uh virginia tech miss in space i have mm-hmm. seen that okay but i have not seen them not be sticky as far as being in the in uh you know pass defense so um get the ball out let's make a miss in space that would be my plan if i'm going up against this virginia tech defense yeah Here's some things I think Notre Dame should do, Vince, and I'm, I'm with you on that. I think yeah. a lot of the stuff I'm looking at is a lot like what you have. So I've written down, you know, I've written RPOs down. You Look, we saw it in 2018. Teams can be effective with RPOs, right? I have um, screens and jets, right? Those are things I like. That's, that's sure. a lot like what you're referring to, right? Mm-hmm. So quick screens and jets. Uh, I think that they need to do a lot of motion. I think that Virginia Tech is a team that if you do shifts and motions, you can kind of – get them to be talking mid sentence. And I'm, and I like motions where you're motioning and then quickly snapping a ball at times, motioning, maybe bring them back across, you know, maybe if you're going to use two tight ends, shift them and then motion. I mean, there's some things you can do. Uh, I don't love the shifts and motions because I don't think Notre Dame does anything out of it that causes anyone to be concerned about it. They haven't run any jets out of it. They haven't, you know, nothing like that. When they go 12 personnel, you know, especially when they've put Joe Walt in the game, teams know that they're 95% chance they're going to run it. So they don't really worry about the jet, the motion as much. But in your normal base offense, I do like the idea of, of doing things where you bring a guy down and stack them. You know, maybe you've got Avery Davis in the slot and Braden Lindsay outside. And you got Avery on the, on the line and you have Braden off the line. You motion him in to where now you get into your bunch from a motion. Whereas right now, Notre Dame is running their tight bunch stuff out of just lining up a tight bunch. I think to me that plays in the defense's hands when that's really all you do because we, as a defense, we can look at that and say, okay, we're going to play outside. We see everything that's going on. We're going to play outside. We're going to get. We're going to communicate to the safeties and the backers. Hey, look, we're in bunch. We're protecting outside. Keep your eyes on the cro- on the meshes, right? And they can pass them off. If you start off in a wider alignment and then you kind of motion to that, they don't have as much time to adjust the leverage that you know advantage that they've now lost right on some of those things right they don't have as much time for communication on some of those things uh you know maybe maybe you put doubles into the boundary and you got avery davis lined up you know tight in the slot and you put motion across or he can you can have him outside and you put avery into the boundary and then and then you know avery comes in and you get into a bunch that way so i mean there's a lot of things they need to do to be creative look here's the deal 
you can't scheme your way into success right now with the way your offensive line is playing from the standpoint of a traditional offense, right? You're not going to be able to just drop back and run right. a bunch of really creative exactly. vertical stuff because right. you can't protect the quarterback. Yep. So you have to do things pre-snap that can create confusion with the defense, right? That's the difference between a college and an, and an NFL offense, defense, I mean. And in the NFL, they, they got way more time to prepare for all that stuff. Well, the reality is, is Virginia Tech hasn't seen any of that really right now. And so to me, I'm throwing different personnel groups at them. I'm throwing different alignments out of that. I'm putting Kyron Williams out in the slot. Yes. I'm putting Chris Tyree out in the slot. I'm doing things like we saw in the spring game, you know, bring Chris Tyree in a motion, run your tight end off, have him run a, a you know, a pivot route. And you, you're isolated. Where's that been, right? That's right. that's there to, for the taking. I mean, like on Saturday, I would have loved to have seen that, you know, where you run Ahmed Gardner off and you get Chris Tyree in space or, or Kyron Williams in the space against Darren Beavers. I like that matchup. We They kept doing it from the backfield mm-hmm. where, you know, you got to run four yards to get to the line of scrimmage. That gives those linebackers at least that much of a head start to get there where you can't really freeze them as you can on your traditional routes if you're in the slot. So I need to see some stuff like that, Vince. I, I need to see the the being more creative with your running backs, being more creative with getting into the alignment you like from different ways, different personnel, different motions, different all those type of things. And then I we need to see them come out and really attack them with levels concepts and flood concepts, you know, the stacking them on top of each other. Those are areas where this defense can be vulnerable. Then that also sets up double moves. We don't we're not sure. seeing like so. You know, you're running option routes. You've been real successful with option routes for Michael Mayer. Well, he'll run eight to 10 yards and just beat a guy on and out. So here's what you do. You do a nod, right? So essentially, you, you, you're you running off the outside guy, right? And you run off the backside outside guy. So you run two double verticals on the outside, which you do, okay? And then you run Mayer on it, you know, eight, and he just goes out like he's running option. He nod and then go, right? He goes right to the middle of the field. We saw Chip Long run stuff like this, and it would get open, Uh we need to see that with Michael Mayer. That's the, I mean, that's, you have to have built in counters to what's make, what, what is good for you. Cause you know, this team is going to, they're going to watch and say, man, Michael Mayer killed Cincinnati with those outcuts. He killed Florida state with those outbreaking routes, option routes and corner routes. So bring something back off of that where you're given some, some nod and goes. Now, again, part of the issue is protection. That's why you do it with Michael Mayer, not, you know, an outside guy, because if Michael Mayer does that and you got pressure, it's easier to get that ball out over the middle of the field than it is to throw a slant and go way on the outside with a guy in your face. Right. So there's some things that they can do in those alignments that I think would be effective. And so they're going to have to get the eye discipline for Virginia Tech off. They're going to have to create some communic. They're going to force they're going to have to force Virginia Tech to communicate a lot faster with tempo there that's another thing they need that's to the do word I, I was waiting for um, it that's what i want i with want tempo, tempo with movement yeah you know because to me a, a lot of shifting and motioning even if you're snapping the ball at 10 seconds but if you're if you're uh snapping it as you're as soon as your guy gets across then you you've kind of put them in a, a situation where okay who are they going to be so if you bring brain Lindsay on a jet motion and you got a reduced, you know, you got you got Kevin Austin reduced to the field, for example, or Mayor, whatever, and you bang a a corner route with that guy, and just a, just send Braden Lindsey on a straight bam arrow route outside, you're catching that sucker, and that corner's in a bind. Are you going to go yep. to run with Mayor, or are you going to run with the Jet? And now Braden's got a full steam ahead. Little, you can do like a little half roll with the quarterback if you want to get out of the pocket. You can do like a little half sprint out with the quarterback. You get the t- running back blocking the edge. 
and bam, you got an ISO out there. You're stealing yards. You see teams do that all the time. You can't do that 15 times, but you can do that two, three times. Those are the that's the creativity we need to see. Tommy Reese is a really smart guy, but he thinks he's an NFL coach right now. Mm-hmm. And you're running NFL schemes right now, and they're really smart. They're really creative, but you don't have the quarterbacks for that right now because your quarterbacks are in their head. Your your best quarterback it's in his head. He's not really giving you anything right now, and you can't protect it. And you have a bunch of receivers who haven't been taught how to how to play the game all that effectively. You know, you got one good route runner on your entire lineup right now, and it's a kid that was converted from quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. He's your reliable receiver right now. Right. I, I just want I want to interject about tempo because you're, you're potentially bringing – let's say they bring in Drew Pine, and, you know, so he's your quarterback. So, okay, we want to make him as successful as we possibly can. Well, going tempo, one thing it does is it reduces the playbook a little bit, right? Because you're going fast and there's some things that you want to do and you want to be able to get it going quickly, right? That That's okay. And I'm not saying reduce the playbook as in it's going to be obvious what you're doing. And that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is it's quick. It gets guys in in when you want them to be in. It gets guys moving. And then we we run some, route, some, uh, uh, some motions and things off of that as well. I love tempo, and I think it puts Drew in the best possible uh, situation to be successful because he's going to get kids fired up. He's going to get them moving. He's going to get the ball out of his hands, and you're just going to go, 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 and the defense is going to be on its heels. I don't disagree with you. I'm going to say one other thing. If they start Jack Cohn, and right now I've actually heard conflicting information from my sources. I had one source tell me, hey, it's going to be Pine. I had another source last night reach out and say, hey, by the way, a little birdie told me that it's going to be Jack Cohn. I have no clue what they're going to do. Um, really, we'll find out today because today's the first day of practice of the week. We're going to see. The oh, first good point. You're right. They're going to be outside. They today. didn't practice yeah. yesterday. If if Jack Cohn's a starter, I think it's even more important to go tempo because you got to get Jack out of his own head. Yeah. And, good call. and the best way to do that. And we kind of started to see this in the second series against Wisconsin. We saw this early against, I think, against uh, uh, Cincinnati. See, I've already blocked that game out of my head, Vince. Smart. So disgusted by it. It's on the floor of the uh, barbershop for me. Yeah, it is is imperative that you just lessen lessen his mental burden right now. And with Drew, I think it's about getting him into an early rhythm and getting them to bite down so then Drew can, you know, maybe hit him over the top and things like that with some quicker type of concepts. With Jack, it's more of a it's 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 all the things you said with Jack. It is true for Jack as well, right? Everything you said about Drew is because Drew and yeah. Jack are very similar passers. They are very yeah, similar. I agree passers. with that. You're not one of the things we talked about this summer, you're not running a whole different package with Drew Pine than you are with Jack Cohn. It's gonna be a similar right. offense. It's just you're hoping that Drew's specific ability to run that is more efficient, more effective. So the tempo thing I'm I'm with you on, no matter who the quarterback is. I think it's more imperative, however, if Jack is still your starter or if Jack has to go in because Drew gets hurt. It because it, it's less thinking for the quarterback too. You're you're making a quick pre-decision, right, exactly. pre-snap, and you're just going. Here's where I'm going with the football. And you're gonna get them in more bait. Because part of the thing about tempo is they can't make their communications and checks and adjustments and things like that. I'm Nailed coming it. out that first series and I'm going quick. I'm 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 going to take a shot early, first three or four plays. I'm taking a shot, but it's going to be a, a a shot out of the pocket. It's going to be sort of like a half. I'm going to do like a boot, not a naked, but a bootleg where I'm going to get the you know get somebody out there with them. You know, maybe get Jarrett Patterson on like a play action. You know, maybe run like the fake the the sweep action to the boundary, 
have Jarrett be the one to lead him out and, and, you know, do something like that and have him set up and throw a deep shot where he's getting out of the pocket. Cause Virginia tech's going to do what everybody else has done. And they're going to come right up the middle. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that's where Notre Dame has been vulnerable. So that's what I would do. do, do a sprint out throwback or something. I mean, some shot where you're getting him out of the pocket and you can let the court, you'll let him you know, wind up and get a shot out. Something like that. I, I want to see early or a shot where if you're getting cover one, then you just, Hey, if you see cut first time you see cover one, you're throwing a deep ball to Brain Lindsay or Kevin Austin, right? Whoever has the better matchup. Right. You know, so so those are things that I would do. But I think tempo would be something that would allow – that would be the thing that would allow Jack to kind of get out of his own head, throw screens early, right? Things where the pressure – you expect pressure on the screen. You know what I mean? But you actually sure. need to hit somebody. You don't just let them get <laughs> free runs to the quarterback like they did on Saturday. Yeah, you got to bump them. You can't just be like, okay, here you go. Yeah, I'd run you the know. mess out of RPOs in the first series, just things where he's he's reading it and pulling and throwing, you know, just things where it's just easier decisions. And then I feel like th- – and this is this is true for both quarterbacks. Both quarterbacks, if they can get into a nice early rhythm, I'm going to feel good about the offense. Absolutely. But I think it's especially true for Jack because his confidence is clearly shot, whereas Drew's is not. Agreed. You know? I think Drew could go over 11 and his confidence one get shot. I mean, he's a very just, confident kid he just strikes me is. as that kind of kid you know yeah, uh, and I that's agree. a good that's a in case you're wondering that's a compliment 100 percent compliment um, yeah no doubt you want a quarterback it's like i was uh so i started watching ted lasso the this weekend while my finally well and, done uh, the first season i really liked the second season not mm. i didn't like as much yeah uh but the, the one it's come about you know be a goldfish i never thought about that you know the the, the what's the what is it, the animal with the whatever the creature with the lowest, the shortest attention span? It's a goldfish. It'll be a goldfish. You want your quarterbacks to be that way. You want your cornerbacks to be that way, right? Those two Absolutely. positions are more than any other. You, you got to have a short memory, right? Yep. And so that's just how Drew is. It's like, oh, okay, I threw a pick last series. I don't give a crap. I'm going to go out there and we're going to score this time. You know, that's just how he is. You need a quarterback to be that way. Right. No doubt. So that's that's what I would do pass game wise, because I do think, you know, talent wise, Notre Dame has plenty of opportunities. I mean, Michael Mayer, if healthy, could have a big game this week. Uh, I think Braden Lindsay and Kevin Austin, I think Avery Davis is poised to have a really big week this week if used correctly. And if the quarterbacks can have some time to throw, Uh, we need to see Kevin Austin have another bounce back after a brutal game like he had the last time. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, so and he's shown he can do that. He's shown he can bounce back, and now he's going to have to to do that again. So um, th- that's where I'm at, Vince, with this matchup. It's 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 advantage Virginia Tech for me because of this down here, these three areas down here. Notre Dame's inefficiency, and right here, and then that right there. It, I'll say this: if Notre Dame can protect the quarterback in this game, if it can look more like it did in the second half, right? Okay. Again, I think there's reasons for it. I, I think if it can look like it did in the second half with it, without them having to have seven guys in blocking, <laughs> then I think that they th- – then I would flip the advantage to Notre Dame. The reason I primarily am going with Virginia Tech is because I don't think Notre Dame can protect the quarterback without sacrificing their weapons. Right. And that's why quicks, screens, half rolls, bootlegs, things like that are important. It's like they ran a bootleg against Cincinnati on Saturday. Cincinnati played it. I'm like, well, pfft. Throw that out, like right. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like they they made a good play. Next time you may catch them when they're blitzing off the edge, and, and you've got a big play. I mean, it just you know, it's like there's no method to the madness of what Notre Dame. Like I, I've been a very high on Tommy Reese for at times this season, but the last couple of games is just it's almost like he's grasping at straws, and I can't blame him. 
I mean, you can get mad at them all you want, but I can't blame them. There's not a whole lot to dial up when your offensive line can't block anybody. Right, absolutely. But if they can do what we just outlined, if they if if I see that they're doing that, they're getting the mm-hmm. ball out, they're you know they're doing the RPOs, they're going a little tempo, then then the advantage is to Notre Dame here. Yes. But I, I haven't. Seen those it are yet. the things that you can do. Like I said, there's yes. not a lot you can do with an offensive line that sucks. Right. We've laid out what those few things are that you yes. can do. Absolutely. And they've just stubbornly not done it. Not done and it. I my confidence level is low that they're going to do it. So I have to give the advantage yes. to Virginia Tech here. Because the advantage is based on what we've seen. Right. You and have to what do we've that seen way. so far is that Virginia Tech's been a been a better pass defense in there. Because if you look at the number, you say, well, Notre Notre Dame ranks higher in yards per game. Yeah, but look at that next number. That one right there. That's because Notre Dame's throwing the ball a ton. Right. And when you throw the ball a ton, you're going to get your yards. I mean, that's just that's just a fact. When you throw the ball as much as Notre Dame has thrown the ball this year, you're, you know they they threw the ball 46 times on Saturday. They haven't completed over 57 percent of their passes since the Toledo game. When they were under 50 against Purdue, and they were at 50 against Cincinnati, and they were 21 to 37 against Wisconsin, right? And then the other part of this too is. The receivers are going to have to play to their game this week. They're going to have to no, – no stupid drops. You know, give me some kind of press release. You know what I mean? You can come over to my house for 20 minutes on Wednesday after practice, and in my backyard I can teach you how to press release in right. 20 minutes. Exactly. It ain't hard. It just has to be something you work on. You know, um, so we'll see. I'm kidding about that. Notre Dame players aren't coming over to my house on Wednesday after practice. I mean, I go pick them up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I live so far away. <laughs> uh, so advantage Virginia tech in this one, but if they can protect the quarterback, that's where Notre Dame will get the advantage. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So let's wrap up here, Vince, with the scoring offense against the scoring defense. This is the biggest, this is the biggest mismatch on paper right here because yeah actually Notre Dame's numbers that 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 30.8 that 58th ranking is a tad misleading because it was all defensive points in Wisconsin right right (laughs) if Notre Dame didn't have that they would be averaging 26.6 points per game if you take away those three that would rank them 83rd yeah Western Michigan yeah that's where they belong that's where the scoring offense belongs and we look we touted that this offense had the possibility of breaking the modern day record for scoring and blah 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 looking pretty stupid now we're looking real dumb right now mm-hmm. because we had no idea that the offensive line could be this poor and that's well, really what it comes down to we did and deep in our minds we did i didn't we, think we it was going to be yeah. this bad I, I yeah i didn't i, I knew they were going to take a step back from last year and yeah. again we were having discussions about the offensive line in 2019 but they weren't this bad you know what I mean? And and I, I thought that, okay, maybe they'll regress to 2019, but not to where they are now. I mean, just, mm, mm, mm. 
is it like every time we mention RPO, yes. this comment comes up? Yes, I saw okay, it too. I'm and gonna then explain it again, Joel, or I'm gonna I, say it again. Searcher Green you. actually came to our defense yeah. and said it's not always the quarterback doing the running. It, it, yeah, our RPO, run pass option. Okay, I just want to make it clear. And, and Joel, I would encourage you to to search for the RPO 101, the football 101 we did on an RPO. Actually, Vince, uh, while I'm Explain you want me to it. find the link? Can you find that link? If yeah. you just go to our page and type in, uh, if you go to our our uh, our admin page and you, at the top of the search button, if you just type in RPO, the two will come out. Find the one that I did, and we'll, Joel, we'll put it in here for you. Uh, RPO and rate and read zone are two different things. Now there are concepts in which you can do an RPO that is like a triple option, where it's a run, pass, or keep option by the quarterback. But an RPO is essentially you are executing a running play with your running back. Okay. So like uh, you can run our, our inside zone, you can run outside zone. I've heard Nick Saban say that, you don't he doesn't like outside zone on our, with RPOs. I do. And his offensive coordinator last year did Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, you can run it off buck sweep. You can run it off of really any action you can run it off of. Uh, Notre Dame tends to run it a lot on their inside zone. Uh, is when they run it a lot, but essentially you are blocking a called run play. So inside zone, outside zone, whatever. And so then the quarterback pre-snap is going to get his eyes on whatever defender they've decided. It could be an overhang player. It could be a linebacker. It could be a safety. Uh, it just depends on what your what your read is for the run versus the passes that you have incorporated. Now your pass concepts have to be built on what works against a specific defense but essentially the offensive line and the running back are running a running play. So if you call an RPO and I've got Kyron Williams in the game, the R is for Kyron, not Jack Cohn. Alabama had a quarterback last year in Mac Jones who going into the playoff had minus nine rushing yards on the season. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they ran RPOs as much as about any team in the country last year. Alabama did. It has nothing to do with the quarterback running. Per se. Now, can you make it to where you have the quarterback running? Absolutely, you can. Uh, but it's not about the quarterback running. It's about run, handing it off to a running back or, based on what that guy does, pulling it pull and it, throwing pull. it outside. Yes. Sometimes, and, and Ian Book, when Ian Book did it a lot in t- 2018, he would actually make the decision before the snap because it would be like a quick out to chase Claypool. The corner would be off and there's nobody in the window. So you just catch it. And I mean, running backs running doing his thing but you just catch it and just go. get it out quickly just go because the outside guys are running right. routes and they're ready to right. catch the ball i mean right and so like the rpo that notre dame did on saturday where they're running the inside zone with the wide stack if you were going to throw that you weren't going to carry out the fake you were just going to pull it and throw it you were just going to catch it and throw it okay so that's what an rpo is uh it has not a read zone is when you are carrying out the fake and reading like the end if he crashes, the quarterback pulls and gets it outside. Okay, uh, but uh, you know that's not the case. And then, but here, here's the thing with that comment, searcher is not we'll with Notre Dame. Track, not with Notre Dame. Not, not a, a problem at Notre Dame. <laughs> not a problem at all at Notre Dame. No. Number two, a lot of Notre Dame's RPOs are quick game based RPOs. We're yeah. seeing more of that being called down the field. Uh, Notre Dame had that called against them, and it was a bad call. Right. Because. If you engage with a guy at the line and you drive him downfield, that's not a player that's, downfield. That's not that shouldn't yeah. be an ineligible man downfield, and that's exactly what happened. However, uh, a lot of teams, like especially the air raid teams, they will throw post routes off RPO. Right. Like Jarrett Goff got hit like thirty times in his last year at Cal, uh, throwing backside post routes. I mean, he would get it off, but he would take shots. 
mm-hmm. uh, throwing deep post routes off RPOs. Notre Dame doesn't do that. They and when they do, it's quick. You know, so I talked about how they did that in seventeen and eighteen <clears throat> with Wimbush and Ian Book, but it would be quick. It'd be like ride it, and you're and that safety comes out, and you're pulling it, and you're throwing a real quick post. It's not like a skinny post over top. It's a I'm pulling right. that sucker and going. Right. So it's not really an issue at Notre Dame unless they're just being dumb. Uh, it's and, also not and, an issue because they get it, no yeah. push. So. Right. I mean, they'd have, a guy just starts waddling downfield for no reason because there's no one to block. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, <laughs> you've watched this line play. You know exactly where I'm coming. From. I know exactly where you're coming from. We so, we, we we do have a super chat. I want to get to yeah, Brian. Yeah, pull uh, them up. We had a, I've had a couple. I want to make from sure we're listening. Uh, Bill says, I would never downplay uh, the game plan and fundamentals technique, but this might be a game where one of the biggest factors is an Irish, quote, manhood check, unquote. And you know what? After last week, I don't disagree with you um, because I, I, it's not everybody, obviously. It's not everybody. And so I, I, I don't want to throw everybody under the bus, but just an overall feeling that Notre Dame just wasn't there to play. Like it, it just, I did not have that feeling that, Everybody was fired up and, you know, so I, I don't disagree with you, Bill. I, I kind of like where you're coming from here. I'm going to somewhat disagree with you a little bit. Okay. Just because I'm, I, I just like disagreeing with you sometimes, Vince. We, we agree too much. Sometimes I got to disagree. But in all seriousness, and I think, I actually think you'll agree with where I'm coming from. I don't disagree with you that there needs to be a, 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 a from a leadership standpoint amongst mm-hmm. the players. Hey guys, I don't, and I'll be honest with you. I, I was told this at times in 2018 that, like during the 2018 season where the guys are like, Hey, I don't care what they say. I don't care what coaches are doing. I don't care about whatever. We're going to go out and play. Right. This wasn't because of a lack of faith in the coaches. It was more of a, Hey, you had leadership that said, it doesn't matter what the coaches call or what the coaches do. This is up to us to go out there and and, and out play out hustle, out hit, out fight, out scrap, out call. That's what I mean by that in 2018. The way I initially said it, it came across as like, I was saying like, they didn't have faith in their coaches, and I'm going to get to that point. That's not what I mean in 2018. It was more of a, hey, it doesn't matter what they call. This is up to us to get it done. Yeah, okay? right. When I watch this team play, I watch this team play like there's, especially on offense, more so than defense, like there's a colossal lack of confidence in themselves and in, in, in what's being given to them. I don't think there's a lot of, um, I don't think there's a lot of confidence, in my opinion, on offense right now in in the leadership and when you don't think you're being put in a position to be successful it's going to be real hard for you to to kind of man up and say hey let's go do this because you're like yeah okay i'm gonna go play hard but then we're gonna have some dumb play call that's gonna get us beat or you know the offensive line's not gonna block and you know and and you know i just you know i it's hard for me to kind of say well hey you, you 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 know you're 18 19 20 if you don't have faith in the guy next to you that you're going to need to do that. But I think the other thing that I see too, Vince, where I do agree with you is I don't know if as, as much as I love the defense, I don't know if there's an Alohi Gilman on this defense right now. I don't know if there's a, a, a drew tranquil on this defense right now. Somebody that's going to, is going to get in your face right. and demand more. Right. right. And I just, that's a big question that I have about the defense. Because the one thing about that 28 defense, 2018 defense is whenever they got into a situation where they needed a stop, they always came up with a stop, right? 
Mm-hmm. This team has the one flaw of this defense has been that that hasn't been how it, how they are. I mean, they they gave away a lead late in the fourth quarter against Toledo. They gave a lead to Wisconsin in the fourth quarter. Look what they did against Florida State, allowing Florida State to get back in. Look at this past weekend against Cincinnati. Yeah. That that's that's a question mark, and, and it's a it's a disturbing trend now that you put it all yeah, together like and, that. And I need to see I need to see who the players are. Yeah, um, who are gonna who are gonna be the Alohi Gilman of 2018, the right. Drew Tranquil of 2018, that are gonna say, "Hey boys, this is on us." I don't care what Coach Freeman calls, we're right. gonna go out there and dominate on this play. And I don't see that kind of fire on this defense consistently enough. And so agreed. Uh, that part I agree with you on. My concern with offense is, as you very well know, if you don't have faith in the people leading you, it's like, you know, are you are you going? Do you really want to go in that battle when you know this plan is flawed? Sure. Do you really want to leave it all out there when you know the results probably gonna be getting punched right in the face? You know, if I'm a quarterback, so uh, that that's something where they're gonna have to win back the trust of the players, but that's also gonna have to be where leadership says, hey, this isn't about them. Right? right, I don't care what they call. You go out and you go out and physically beat that guy in front of you. It doesn't matter what they call. I don't know if that leadership exists right now on the football team, and that that, that is a bit of a a bit of a concern for me. Sure, we got a, uh, a couple comments. I just want to roll through here real quick, Brian. If is what well, do we we have to give our advantage, right? Yes, uh, we have to give our advantage. Here, I'll go first. That you went first the last couple times. Uh, until I see something different, I've got to go advantage Virginia Tech here. Um, you know, Notre Dame's got to score some points offensively. They have to. And they have, they've done worse and worse and worse and worse every single game. And, you know, they, they have to put it in the end zone. They, they have to do a better job of that. Yeah. They haven't done it. And they need to be more efficient. They haven't done it. And until they do, uh, it's, it's advantage Virginia Tech for me. Notre Dame has gone from 41 to 32 to 27, to 20, to 13 points on offense. Yeah. There you go. I mean, like, literally, literally have, like, you talk about getting worse each game. Like, literally, they've yeah. gotten quantifiably worse. Now, the only difference is at least last week they went up in yards compared to the previous week. Still. But they've, they've, they, but it was still down from the previous four games, like three games. Right. So, like, Yards per game, it was 431, then 449, then 343, then down to 242, and then back up to 341. Yards per play went 6.2, 6.0, 5.2, 3.5, 4.6. So they've gotten progressively worse. Teams have got the book on them, and until they can prove that they have enough, yep. uh, that this coaching staff is good enough to say, hey, look, let's, let's think outside the box. Without – just, I mean, there's a right and a wrong way to change what you're doing. The wrong way is to just start throwing a bunch of new crap out, out, out there, like protections you've never used or schemes you've never used or, right. or we're going to just, change, you know, we're going to turn, we're going to go turn into an air raid now. I mean, that's not what we're talking about. It's about built, taking what you have and maybe your emphasis is going to shift. Yes, exactly. Because of of what the strengths of your team we they have these floods and levels concepts they've they've used them effectively this year they're just still too more too much oriented on horizontal stretch as opposed to vertical stretches right horizontal meaning left to right vertical meaning you know top down and so 
those the, the things are there. We're not asking for them to reinvent the wheel. We're asking for you to shift your emphasis. We know you can go to 11 personnel. We know you can go 20 personnel. We know you can go 21 personnel. We know you can get your running backs lined up outside. All those different things that we've seen them do, it's just do that stuff more and then do some wrinkles within that. Add some adjustments within that. You know, you have the option concept. It's okay to add the nod to it if you haven't already done that. That's easy. It takes a day of practice. We, I've done that with D3 kids. If my D3 receivers can do that, exactly. why can't the Notre Dame receivers do that? You're exactly. your high school receiver. Yep. The point being, it's not a shot on the Notre Dame players. It's just those things are those things are fixable during the season. Changing from a pro-style offense to an air raid is not, you know, I'm just using that hypothetically. Sure, sure, sure. It's not what you're going to do. You're not going to all of a sudden start running a million read zones if you haven't practiced read zone. You know what I mean? So the things that we're asking them to do is is – is more of a okay shift your emphasis if they shift their emphasis then they can have the advantage in this game but going based off what we have seen now vince uh there's no way anyone with that's being objective anyone that's being um honest in their evaluation can say that notre dame has an advantage based on what they've done and it's not just about numbers context matters Right, but Virginia yeah. Tech's played some pretty good offenses so far this year, and and they've they've you know at least they've at least played one, uh, and and they did a pretty good job in that game. Right. Yep. And uh, you know they held North Carolina. What was it? Seven points. Yeah. North Carolina went out scored fifty nine the next two games. <laughs> right. Right. You know so until they are is Notre Dame capable of winning this matchup? You betcha. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. They're favored still, I believe. I mean, they they should be. Can I give them the advantage right now? No, I can't. I can't. So. I I will uh, just uh, D-Rock had some stuff, had some pretty funny stuff in there. uh, School school related uh, that nobody else is going to understand. But I appreciate it, uh, D-Rock, because we both come from an education background. And uh, we actually had our SPED. uh, BIP signings this morning. So you'll appreciate that. So I understand exactly where you're coming from. Um, but uh, I don't know if you want to stick around, Brian, but I've got to hit the road. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to uh, get a couple comments. Okay, here. cool. Everybody. I appreciate you joining us. Um, you know, Hey, we're looking forward here. We're moving forward. We got the defense versus the Virginia tech offense tomorrow. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so make sure you come back tomorrow at 1230. I will see everybody tomorrow. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun, man. Thanks. So everybody willing to still stick around uh, with just me. I do want to work through some questions here today. Uh, I know there were some comments about uh, some things about the message board, some things I put on the message board. So I, I do want to kind of get to this stuff. Uh, this was an interesting one that I saw. Mark Krogan says, call me crazy, but I think this will be a higher scoring game because it's a night game along with other reasons. But still, Mark, I'd be curious what your other reasons are. I wanted to ask you this, what your other reasons why you think it'll be a high scoring game. Because right now when I look at it, if it's a high scoring game, that's going to make me real concerned about the Notre Dame defense. We'll get into that tomorrow. But uh, I, 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 I would imagine you're maybe saying like, this is the game, the offense puts it all together. But I, I have a hard time saying that uh, after the, after what we've seen from this, this team, the last couple weeks. Uh, D rock says this, I thought this was a good observation. I think this game will, will may just may be the most pivotal one we have. That will define the rest of the season. I agree. Uh, Drew says, I'd like to see them do screens and bubbles and get some of the young kids out there. The older class seems like they just don't care. I I don't think – I wouldn't agree with that part. I think they care. 
I just don't think they're prepared to be successful on offense, to be honest with you. Clashmore Mike said, these are just, again, these are some of the, just the interesting things I saw during the show that I wanted to get up. Clashmore Mike says, except for Patterson, I'd go with an all freshman offensive lineman and Baker because they're the least contaminated by Quinn. That says a lot about, I thought this just made me laugh. I thought this was really funny, Mike. And I appreciated you putting this out because Vince and I have kind of made jokes about that. And it's kind of like, Okay, Joe Alt's dad played in the NFL. Mark Spin or Rocco Spindler's dad played in the NFL, and Caleb Johnson's dad, I believe, played in the NFL or at least played college football on the offensive line. So it's like these guys are probably the three most well-coached offensive linemen that they have. <laughs> so because of their dads, so I uh, I got a kick out of that. I don't think we'll see that. I wouldn't necessarily do that. I think there's other guys like Andrew Kristofik and you mentioned Josh Baker who can play, but but yeah, I I think it's. I think it's time to really rethink that part of that side of the ball. I think one of the things I wanted to address honestly and seriously with this comment is, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of when there's coaching problems of replacing a lot of players. That's part of my hesitancy to replace Jack Cohn. I, at the, in my heart of hearts, I know it needs to be done, but my frustration is, is because I'm getting a little pissed at the manner in which a lot of fans are attacking Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn sucks. He's all, and it, and it really bothers me because I, I feel like as a fan base, we're, we're better than that because it, it's yes, Jack's not playing well, but it's not Jack. It's, it's what's happening around him. It's the, it's the people making all the money that are doing a piss poor job of putting him in position to be successful. And that's not going to change when Drew Pine goes in the game. Uh, you know, and, and it's the same thing on the offensive line. I feel bad for Kane Madden. Vince and I were the two people on the beat that that from the day Notre Dame started looking at him, we were like, uh-uh, "This ain't this ain't he ain't that guy." Because we watched the film when Notre Dame was looking at him. I sent Vince film three games worth the film of Kane Madden and said, "Hey, just watch this." I didn't give him my opinion. I didn't say anything to him. I had a, a two buddies of mine who coach offensive linemen. I sent them game film. I said, "Hey, just what do you think of this kid?" Without telling him what I thought of him, and everybody came back with the same opinion. He's not overly athletic. He's kind of short. And he struggles with really athletic linemen, but he's going to play a lot of athletic linemen, right? But we all also said the same thing. He's real tough, and he's fundamentally sound. That's what we all said. Me, Vince, former coaches, and two people that are very, like, really good offensive line people. And we all said the same thing. Tough and fundamentally sound. As a six-year senior at Notre Dame, he is not fundamentally sound anymore. Is that – am I I'm supposed to blame Kane Madden? who was fundamentally sound at Marshall and just say it's all on him or is it Jeff Quinn's fault? So we're not getting the best of Kane Madden. He needs to be replaced because he's ineffective, but I don't blame him. And that's what makes me feel bad about saying we need to, you know, we need to, we need to replace him. Uh, I never felt bad about benching players when I was coaching because I kind of felt like as a coach that I've coached you all very well and you're not getting it done. And so I would make changes. I mean, one of the groomsmen in my wedding, was a former player of mine who was a returning starter at fullback who I benched, you know, but because it was the the right thing to do and the manner in which you do it, you can still keep that relationship. But like, I felt like guys, other guys needed to play. And so when I look at this, I say, yeah, other guys need to play. Right. But at the same time, it's not going to matter a whole lot who plays and who gets replaced. If the coaching doesn't improve, having said that, if you're going to have a poorly coached line, 
then you flat out absolutely 100% need to put your five most talented football players in the field. The reason I say that is, is because if you're putting your most talented players in the field, they're still going to have good plays just because of their talent. That's why I've been so top pro Tosh Baker, even though he gives up bad plays because when Tosh is on, he's really good. Uh, that's why I'd, I'd, I want to see Rocco Spindler. Look, I know he's a freshman. I know he makes mis- he'll make mistakes, but so's Kane Madden, Josh Lug, Jarrett Patterson, Zeke Crow, and everybody else you put on the offensive line. So play Rocco because he's a, he's at least talented to where those snaps when he's right, he's going to be really impressive in those snaps. And you know, I that's why I consider putting Josh Lug a guard and putting Joe Walt at right tackle. Get your most talented guys on the field because. If your veterans are making mistakes and they're not talent as talented as other guys, then there's no reason to have them on the field. Put your less most talented guys on the field because experience clearly means nothing to this football team. Uh, technique clearly means nothing to this football team on offense. So put your most talented guys on the field. And yes, there is the joke that goes along with it that they're the least contaminated by Quinn, but I think they're also your most physically gifted players at spots. And I think Andrew Kristoffic should play. You know, I, I think that Joe Alt should play, and I'm okay playing five or seven guys. I'm okay with the rotation. I, I'm usually not, but this, there's nobody on this offensive line outside of Jarrett Patterson that's flat out played well enough to say you deserve every single rep at this position, not one outside of Patterson. This is another question another that I wanted to address. So somebody asked me, and I'm, I'm curious. This kind of frustrated me too. This is so I put I put something on the message board and I'm not going to give too much of it here because I, I I do think it's one of those things that because I'm 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 giving some real behind the scenes stuff I, I think I want to keep it behind a, a paywall but essentially it speaks to just the the um at times incompetence that's happened in the dysfunction that's happened in Notre Dame and I was thinking about this that you know Notre Dame had an opportunity to have a coaching staff right now that had Joe Moorhead as your OC. And Joe, uh, uh, Joe Gilbert, who's the offensive line coach of the Buccaneers, as your O line coach, with Phil Dracovic as your starting quarterback. But even if it was just Phil Dracovic, that that would have been really good. This team would be really dangerous. But even then, you look at Phil Dracovic and you say, even if just Phil stayed, he's the starting quarterback in Notre Dame right now. That's the perfect guy you want behind this abysmal offensive line. Phil showed last year they can make a ton of plays behind a bad offensive line that get gets him hit all the time because he's big. He can bounce off sacks. He's not afraid of getting hit. He'll move out of the pocket. He'll throw the ball downfield. But they blew it. Phil left because of his relationship with Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly. And if you're still living in the fantasy world that it was because of Chip Long, I have news for you. I can tell you with 100% certainty that Phil Dracovic did not leave because of Chip Long. Chip Long was fired in December. Phil Dracovic transferred in like mid-January, mid mid to late January. Uh, he was gone. Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly were the reason that relationship faltered in the first place. They had an opportunity to repair it. They chose not to. And that's a big reason why we're in the situation that we're in now. And I think that is something that, that has been on my mind a lot as I watch the performance of this offensive line. Be like, hmm, I think the only thing that could rescue this offensive line is a big 6'5", 240-pound quarterback with a big arm and a pretty good athlete that can handle the pressure. And so I, I wanted to address um, that one too. Jay Wiki Jr. said, did anyone see BK defending Quinn at his presser? I don't understand openly criticizing players, but not calling out coaches responsible for getting the best out of said players. I don't mind him to, to, defending him to a degree. 
but you know, there, there, there does come a point in time where you have to be able to say, Hey, look, we're not, we're not getting the job done. It's gotta be better. And when you, when you say some of the things that Brian Kelly has said, like trying to blame the quarterbacks and the running backs and everybody else for the play of the offensive line, you lose credibility. And, and I think that's what Brian Kelly risks right now. You lose credibility with fans, the media, and more importantly, your players. Because if you're willing to criticize them publicly, but you're not willing to criticize the coaches who make a lot of money, um, I'm sorry, that that's, that's going to cause you to lose some of your players. And I know with confidence, I can say that there are a lot of players that a lot, meaning like at least enough to work and matter that are getting really frustrated by that because they see it. This is another thing David Trudeau said, one loss shouldn't equal giving up on the season. I also want to address that because there's a notion that like, well, the one loss, they're not playing for a championship. So just put all the young guys in. Now that's a bad way of looking at it. Number one, that's completely unfair to your veterans who have earned starting jobs. And this season is an opportunity for them to play their last season at Notre Dame. But also these, some of these guys are trying to play for, you know, trying to play for a chance to play professional football it'd be completely unfair to bench them simply because you're going young. I'm all for benching guys who aren't performing, but I'm not benching guys just to develop for next season. Uh, I think that's unfair. I also think that there's still a lot for Notre Dame to play for. There is a lot of opportunities, not just the playoff, but look, it's national championship or bust for your ultimate goal, but your ultimate goal doesn't have to just be this year there's also lessons that you need to teach this football team now. And even some of the guys that aren't on your team next year, there's lessons you need to teach this team now about working and winning and competing and bouncing back from adversity. And if the first time you lose a game and, Oh, we can't make a championship. You just kind of give up and throw, you know, throw the season away. What, what lesson have you taught your football team? Hey, when adversity strikes, just quit, move on to the next thing. That's a horrible, horrible lesson to teach your football team. And and it's also, it's just not accurate. Like, do I think Notre Dame is going to make the playoff? No. After what we've seen in five games, do I think Notre Dame has any business being in the playoff conversation? No. But there's enough football of the season left to where that is still an outside possibility. Look, there's a lot of teams right now. I'd still rather be Notre Dame than Clemson, right? Clemson's got two losses. There's a lot of things this team still has to play for. There's New Year's Six Bowl. There's finishing strong. I mean, you want to send yourself into the offseason with some momentum. You've got a great schedule next year. So I see a lot of people that are kind of ready to give up on the season, and I think David hits it hits the nail on the head that one loss does not at all determine that the season is over and it's time to just throw the young guys in. The reason I'm advocating for doing that on the offensive line is because I genuinely think that's what gives them the best chance to beat Virginia Tech. It's not about getting them ready for next season. It's about, I think, doing that, getting some of these older guys who are just completely just not bringing you anything right now, gives you an opportunity to be successful. If I, When I say Deion Colsey and Lorenzo Styles need to play more, it's not that I'm anti-Brain Lindsay or Kevin Austin. I'm still riding with those guys. But I think, as I said before the season, number one, I don't want them to be playing as many snaps as they're playing. And number two, when you have talented players like them, you need to play them. And then now that keeps Braden and Kevin fresher in the fourth quarter. It's going to keep them fresher in November. It's still about winning right now. And when I talk about getting Logan Diggs in the game, it's about winning right now. I think he can help you win right now. I still believe 
that that needs to be the emphasis of what this football team is all about. So those are a couple of things uh, that I wanted to kind of address. I, I don't see uh, any more here. There might've been a couple others that I saw, but I just, I wanted to address a couple of those, a couple of those, uh, those issues here real quick. All right, here we go. We did have a super chat. Martin says, uh, time to get, this is our, our friend who's an usher down at the stadium. Martin, I, I was not at the game this weekend. That's why I didn't come see you. Uh, it says time to get back on the horse. Thank you for your super chat as well. Time to get back on the horse. Have you guys seen the, in the garage podcast with Hamilton Wallace and Cam Hart, uh, give a great look at the real young men in that uniform. Hey fans, it's time to get rid of, of the negative. I have not seen that. I don't watch that show. Uh, I don't really have time to watch any other podcasts to be completely honest with you. Um, so uh, yeah, I haven't seen that, but I, I encourage those things. I mean, look, my, my only concern is I want to make sure that those things aren't getting in the way of what they need to do in the classroom and on the football field. But if you can work that in there and, and, and do it, I, I think it's a great opportunity for fans to get another side of this team. And, and I think getting the player's perspective is good. I, I think it is a good thing. So I'm glad they're doing it as long as it's not, you know, again, they're student athletes. Those two things have to come first in my opinion. Uh, Nicholas says, no college players should be attacked personally. Yes, he made mistakes. The goal line pass was horrible against his head. Doesn't make him a bad kid. Look, I, I don't I don't know if I'd say anybody's attacked him personally. I just I just feel like when you say, like, he sucks, that's, like, that's just a useless response. Like, A, you're, you're bringing no analysis. You're bringing no um, reasonable conversation. You're just being insulting. And I don't, I, you know, look, it, sometimes kids suck. Jack Cohn doesn't suck. Uh, Jack Cohn is not playing well. There's a difference. And some of the, the the manner in which some people have gone after him is disappointing, especially on this channel, because I feel like I I take pride in just how many people on this channel talk ball and, and bring some insight in, into the table. And then so when a couple people want to jump in and just keep repeating the same things over and over and over and over and over again, um, you know, it, it it brings down the discussion. And I don't. I don't want, uh, I, I don't, I don't like that, but being critical, I hope, and I know you're not saying this, but being critical of a player's performance is not, is not a personal attack. And I don't think that you're saying that. All right. And Drew St. Blaise said, do you see Quinn being fired? And if so, what would be the best direction you would go after that? Someone said earlier that if Saban was coach, he'd bench players or take away duties from coaches. Um, well, yeah, I mean, we've seen, I mean, Ryan Day took away defensive play calling duties from Kerry Coombs. I mean, we see coaches make those changes. The problem is when you're replacing a coordinator, as we saw with Brian Van Gorder, we talked about this, I believe, yesterday. You can promote your D-line coach or your linebacker's coach or somebody else to call plays. There's really not anybody else on staff capable of being the full-time offensive line coach in Notre Dame. I don't think the GA is ready for that role just yet. Uh, I don't see any scenario in which Harry Heastan bring is back, brought back to, to, to mentor that young man. Uh, it, it, it is what it is. Do I see Jeff Quinn being fired? I've heard that uh, another podcast had said that they believe he's going to be fired. I have not heard anything like that myself. Uh, I would be skeptical of it. I think the only way that Jeff Quinn gets fired is if Brian Kelly is put in the same situation he was put in with Brian Van Gorder after the season. And that is, Hey, Changes need to be made. What's happening right now is unacceptable. Uh, we didn't spend all this money on an indoor facility and they're going to renovate the Goog and the stadium and the, all this other stuff so that you can 
you know, be this, you know, th- there's higher expectations. And so um, this is O-line U and what we're seeing this year is embarrassing and something needs to be done about it besides just benching players. So that would be, um, that would be a surprise to me. Now, what I think could happen is I could see a scenario just, I was told, I was told that when, I think it was when Chip Long was hired, I was told that Brian Kelly tried to convince him to put Jeff Cohn as the, or Jeff Quinn as the receivers coach. And he was like, no, I want to bring in Dell because Dell knew his offense. And um, uh, that just shows you Brian Kelly's just strong desire to have Jeff Quinn on staff some way, shape, form, or fashion. So what I could see happening is if, like, let's say John McNulty goes to the back to the NFL, you know, I could see a scenario in which he just moves Jeff Quinn over to tight ends and hires a new O-line coach. I'd be real surprised if Jeff Quinn gets fired. I think the more likely option is that Jeff Quinn is reassigned somewhere to another position and he brings in a new O-line coach, uh, which I think has to be done, in my opinion. From a recruiting standpoint and especially from a coaching standpoint, so I, I'd, I'd be a little surprised by that. I like this comment from Sawyer Leonard. We should play the best players who give us a chance to win. Tell Saban when Bama loses a couple games to give up the season and he would laugh at you. Winning every day, that's a book by Lou. Read it. You know, I, I don't know what Nick Saban would do if he loses a couple games because he hasn't done that in regular season since 2011 uh, or 2010. But to your point, it's correct. is because losing a game doesn't mean you abandon this season because then you you lose your culture. And you're trying to build something. And and adversity is a part of that culture. You teach players to give up on a season now. What happens if they lose to Ohio State in the opener next year? Do you tell them that the season's over then? Or do you try to say, no, 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 no. Well, last year was different because of, you know, A, B, C, D excuse. No, you say, hey, look, we still have a lot to play for. We still have a championship on our belt. If I'm Brian Kelly, I'm going to sit there. I'm. You think I, if you think Brian Kelly should sit there in the locker room with his players after this game and say, guys, our t- title chances are, are over? Or should he say, hey, fellas, we're going to need some help now. Because of our mistakes this weekend as coaches and our failure to execute as players, we all lost this weekend, right? Not just us coaches, not just you players. We all lost. But you look around the country, like nine top 25 teams got beat this week. There are not a lot of undefeated teams left in college football right now. Uh, fellas, there's still a lot to play for. There's still seven games left, plus tight conference title games for a lot of other teams, right? So we are going to go out there. We're going to keep playing. There's one undefeated team left in the ACC. There's only two undefeated teams left in the Big 12, and they still have to play each other, obviously. You know, there's four undefeated teams in the in the Big Ten in the Big Ten Conference. Three of them all play each other at some point in time. Ohio State already has a loss, right? There's you, you just I'm, I'm just going through it, right? There's we go down to the Pac-12. There's nobody left undefeated in the Pac-12. Every Pac-12 team has one loss. There's three undefeated teams left in the SEC. That's it. There's not a lot of undefeated teams left. So we got to keep handling our business. We got to, obviously we're going to need some help, but we're still going to go out there and trying to compete for a championship in your heart of hearts. You may not actually believe that, but you need them to believe that because that's the lesson. That's what they're striving for. That's the excellence that you have to demand from them on a daily basis. So if you just start benching guys and playing young guys and we're preparing for the future, they're going to know that. Then they're going to, they're going to, you're going to lose a lot of your team. 
And you're also going to create a really negative culture of when adversity strikes, you give up. You can't do that. You have to go out there and treat this Virginia Tech game like, hey, this is now the next biggest game on our schedule. Not like just another game. I hate that just another game, but this is the next big game on our schedule. We got to be prepared because we got we got aspirations and those aspirations are on life support right now, but they're still alive. And we got to go out there and prepare for that, whether you actually believe that or not. But the reality is, is it is true. What I just said is true. Do I think Notre Dame is a playoff team right now? No. Do I think Notre Dame can still become the team that we thought they could be? Maybe. But you got to work to at least try to get there. That's how you instill a championship culture in your program that may not help you this year, but is definitely going to help you this year, next year. Just putting in young guys and getting them experience is not nearly as important to me as establishing a championship culture that comes from accountability. And you got to create that. I don't know if Brian Kelly's capable of doing that, but it also comes from teaching them how to overcome adversity. And sometimes that's going to mean change. That means we got to have a new quarterback or a new right guard or do whatever that, that can be part of it. But just these wholesale play the young guys, just because that, that you're going to lose your football team. And that's going to linger into the off season and linger in the next season and that's how you ruin the culture that you've created. Uh, so I do not believe that is um, that is the direction they should go at all. So that's going to be it for today's show. Uh, I appreciate everybody for being a part of the show today. Uh, appreciate everybody coming in and joining. And, and um, you know, the discussion was great in there. We tried to get I wanted to get to some of your questions because you guys had a lot of great points, a lot of great comments, a lot of things coming up. Uh, I did want to tell you all that I know there's been some talk about, you know, Harry Heastan's role. Uh, with the team in past seasons. I've hinted about that before. I don't really want to go out with it, but it, it is on our message board, our premium message board. So if you want to check that out uh, in your, if you are, a, if you have paid for the member of the premium board, but you don't, don't get on it much, go on there, look for the Intel piece about Harry, he's standing the offensive line and Chris Watt and all that. And I have some stuff on there. If you haven't signed up yet, that's the kind of thing you're missing. Uh, so you should definitely sign up. You can find us at boards.irishbreakdown.com. So anyway, everybody, thanks so much for being with us. Hit the like button, subscribe button, notification bell, uh, and uh, check out our message board down there. And obviously check out irishbreakdown.com. So appreciate y'all being with us. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, 1230 Eastern, to talk about the Notre Dame defense against the Cincinnati offense. <laughs>
tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.